Defector Wonderkin of Garlemald back in action and a plan to stop the mighty Garuda formed, our heroes must now recover the final piece of the puzzle, the airship Enterprise, pride and joy of Garland Ironworks. But to get airborne, they must first brave the inhospitable cold of Coerthus's weather and her citizens in order to find it. I'm Nero. And I'm Jane. And this is Radio Free Heidelin. Welcome back, and in this episode, we are covering Witch Drop, which uh, is a, uh, it's a part of the game. It's really long, it's longer than I thought uh, it would be. Like, when I, last time we talked about how originally we were just going to cover everything from the, the ambush at the Waking Sands up through Stone Vigil in one episode, because we thought, uh, how many, how many quests could it be? How much could possibly happen? Yeah, how long could it possibly be? After all, it's not a Titan quest, right? No, it's longer. It's significantly longer, and this is the majority of the content. Getting Sid back in action is, you know, a reasonable bit of busy work, but this is really where this part of the game kind of stretches out, and it is, it's it's an unflattering foot forward for yeah. Coerthus. It is, it's not exactly the, the best introduction to elf town on the other hand i also think it's kind of a good introduction to ishgard in other ways um in that it's just sort of generally fucked in most ways with like very few sort of individual exceptions but this this part of the game drags for several reasons number one western Corthus highlands or central Korth is Highlands, Western is a, is, is, is a Heavenward's area, but the area you're in, it's kind of sucks to navigate, and you're going to be walking around it a lot. You're, you are exclusively going to be wandering around this zone, back and forth between several towns for six levels of MSQ content almost. And there are no Aetherites except for one, which is not terribly conveniently located, all things considered. And the other reason it drags on so long is because the people you're dealing with are a bunch of fucking assholes. Yeah, the th- the thing about the thing about the Central Highlands is it's really, really, really big. It is a massive area. It might be the biggest open field space that the game has presented to you up to this point, or at the very least, it certainly feels like it is. And I think something that contributes to that is because it's very circuitous. Uh, there's a giant mountain smack dab in the dead center of this field so in order to really get anywhere you have to do an enormous amount of walking around the entire thing and yes everybody's willing to waste your goddamn time particularly the pointy hat idiots (sighs) in the stupid tower so yeah we start where we left off here in the observatorium because everything is named like that out here. It's got a much longer name, and I did not bother yeah, to write it down. Right. It's, it's got a lot. So one thing you have to know about Ishgar that we didn't really talk about at length last time is that much like the worshippers of Railgar in Alamigo and the surrounding territories, Ishgar also has a particular member of the Twelve that they worship. That is Halone, the Fury. It's Catholicism. It's just Catholicism. Yeah, it's elf Catholics, but instead of worshiping Jesus, they worship basically a Valkyrie who really, really likes to stab people. So their main deal is, and we talked about this briefly in the Archon lectures, is that they've been engaged in a just staggeringly long conflict with the dragons of Dravania called the Dragon Song War. It's been going on for literally a thousand years, probably longer. And every so often, the dragon known as Nidhogg will wake up and just cause a whole lot of trouble, just a devastation and all this shit. And like, it, it, it's not a war that is like 
constantly it is constantly going but there are ebbs and flows right and it just so happens that right now it's flaring up after the calamity yes and the calamity really messed up the ish guardians right like it's it's important to note that in 1.0 and 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 in the story prior quirithus was not a frozen hellscape no in fact it was of fairly average temperate region you know green not i wouldn't call it the most lush but certainly fine but then a moon crashed into the planet and it really fucked up the weather patterns in this area and specifically only in this area which is really interesting i think the explanation for that is that the like ethereal balance of the sea of clouds got disrupted yeah but like yeah it's all frozen now which means most of their holdings outside the physical city of ishgard basically all had to be immediately abandoned because no one could survive out there anymore so i guess in that regard you can at least a little bit understand why you know they're all a little bit pressed but uh, you know they could be a little bit less assholeish about the entire affair in addition to that however this flare up of of the dragon song caused them to pull out of the Eorzean alliance during the the lead up to the calamity they basically abandoned the rest of Eorzea to go deal with their own shit and generally they seem to be quite distrustful of outsiders as you uh, realize when you head up first of all you get the the frosty reception at the gate of the observatorium and when you eventually get up there to talk to the head astrologian he uh well his name is Orlamont. well actually there's a step before that which is i think did we discuss the 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 run-in with that the quote-unquote dragon-blooded heretics no, we we, we we did not actually, I, I don't believe. So when you first get to Quirithus, the very first thing that you want to do is you want to talk to the, the dudes in the observatorium, but the guards outside, they don't want to let you. They're like, eh, you're like a rando. We, we don't give a shit. Leave us alone. And then eventually, if you bug him enough, he's like, fine. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a dude who was on patrol and he didn't come back. Go figure out what happened. And presumably, he just assumes you're going to get lost in the snow and die. But you do, in fact, find this guy. Uh, he's like 30 feet away behind a rock. And he's getting attacked by a, a, a quote unquote heretic who is is trying to to kill him and you know be evil and shit so you 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 save his life and that gives you like the street cred required for the the guard outside to allow you to enter the observatorium you have this big fucking tower to meet a guy in a really stupid hat because as the head astrologian for Lamont would probably have seen the Enterprise crashing on, on that day five years ago, or at least would have data about it. So you head up there and you talk to him and he, and he says, uh, actually, foreigners are not allowed to peruse the observatorium's records because it is it is uh it is our holy duty to fight against the dragons. So fuck off. Yeah, it's 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 a matter of Catholic national security. We can't permit you to know where your boat is. However, during this conversation, someone walks in to and and just sort of to talk to Forlemont and recognizes you as the guy who helped out around here that by the way, the observe- so all right, we're going to get in we're going to get real into it folks because this this part has a lot of dense stuff going on. So, the Holy See of Ishgard has four great houses. That, that kind of make up the nobility. There's a bunch of minor houses as well, but the, these four are kind of the ones that, that do all the moving and shaking. It is, uh, it's House Durandere, it's House Fortamps, and there's two more that I cannot, I can never remember because they almost never come up. Yes, and these these four great houses are really, they ah, make, oh. House, one of them is House Helenart. Yes, uh, one is House Helenart. These great houses are responsible for the majority of the politicking inside of Ishgard, and they are all you know, to a reasonable extent, fairly competitive. If they can get a leg up on the other houses, they will absolutely take the opportunity to do so. So, naturally, somebody sees an opportunity here. Ooh, there's this fairly capable warrior in the house who wants to get some information. Well, maybe I can leverage this. So you get a representative of House Durandere. 
and they're sort of like, listen, bud, why don't you, uh, why don't you do some favors? You know, maybe we'll uh, put in a good word for you. Yeah, and, and thus starts your time as pawn in this fucking frozen Game of Thrones shit. The the man, by the way, the man who who interrupted your conversation with the shady little gnome asshole who runs the Astrologian outpost is a is an inquisitor for the Holy See, a man named Guillaume. I'm not, listen, if we have anyone out there who speaks French, I just apologize because I'm not going to pronounce any of this right. And there's a lot of French in this part because all of these fuckers are French. Yeah, they're French elves. They're French Catholic elves. You know how it is. Uh, So Guillaume is kind of weird. He's like, he's got a weird attitude. He's like clearly talking, like he's clearly doing like some weird double speak shit in this introduction to his character like he's yeah and and it's framed almost like he's he's pushing you to 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 investigate things to like actually like look into shit and see what's going on but but we'll get to it in a minute that doesn't make any sense at all I think it does actually because there were there there's like there's layers to this this first part certainly does because what happens is as you say another knight of house Durandere set tells you that uh there's been some you know robberies along the roads caravans have been getting ransacked by heretics and so you, you uh, there's a guy over there in the in the main keep who uh has has some stuff that got yeah swiped so you're going to go and get his cargo for him Oh wait, there's one more encounter you have before you go to get this stuff. There's a lot going on here. I'm sorry. So there before before Tom uh, before uh for Lamont, stupid hat guy tells you to fuck off. There's another astrologian in there, a younger astrologian who says one of her coworkers has gone missing trying to like aggressively chart ixal activity, which means getting way too close. Uh and he's gone missing. Yes. This yeah. is less a plot relevant interaction and more one that just generally informs Ishgard as a whole because you go and save this guy from in you find him like just cowering under a rock surrounded by Ixel who are just like wandering around and you save this dude and at first he's like oh my god thank you so much uh what what house are you from and then you inform him that you're just like a an adventurer and he immediately goes oh actually oh you're just some random piece of foreigner trash fine then I can I can I can walk myself home, thank you very much. Don't touch me. Yeah, no, they're all extraordinarily up their own asses about this sort of thing. Uh, and this is this is this is the tone moving forward. They, they are extraordinarily xenophobic and hostile, and it takes a colossal amount of work to get them to to not be for even two seconds. And even that is so easily undone by basically anybody saying actually these guys suck uh, and don't worry that happens yeah. many times in this quest line so it turns out that if you have some kind of inquisitorial religious body it's pretty easy to just destroy yourselves in paranoia yeah so it's, it, it might be easy to like you know make your whole society really bad um yeah <laughs> it seems like it's we were already there. Uh, but yeah, so you you gotta get the stuff off of this caravan, and, and inside it you find a, a Dravanian rosary. I guess they have rosaries. Is this just like a schism? Is this just like Catholicism versus Eastern Orthodoxy? God, might as well be. Or are the dragons Protestant? Like, if these are French Catholics, then who's England? Ooh, because you know, know you know those dudes were fucking beefing. All that's the time. that's true. That's true. The the fucking Anglican dragons over here. Regardless, you bring it back to the Lord of the of, of this uh, of House Durandere here, a man named uh, Portelaine, who identifies this as as the chest of of one Lord Francel of House Helenart, and he basically goes, Ah, I knew I knew he was a heretic. Rumors are that his house is just rife with them. We gotta clear them all out. And the whole thing was that you're doing this not only to gain House Durandere's favor, but also to get introduced to all the other houses. But he tells you, you should probably just sit tight until we figure all this out. Yes, which you're not really willing to do uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you know for a fact that once these elves figure this shit out, they're going to totally have forgotten about you. And you're going to be like, hey, what about that thing that you promised you would do? And they would just be like, nah, I don't care. Because that's just how these people are. Two, the other reason is because one of these sort of guards in the room, these these lesser, l- the lesser-ish guardians, is like, hey, listen, I know this guy. I know these house Hollenar guys. 
they're fine. These guys are great. Somebody is very clearly trying to frame him, and I don't know who, and you should probably go warn him before the Inquisitors show up to put him in iron shackles. So you do, and Francel is, is very thankful that you give him the homie heads up here, and he tells you, hey, you seem like an alright fellow. I know a guy who will actually be legitimately helpful to you. He's he's over at Camp Dragonhead. You want to see got Lord Harshafont. So you head over to Camp Dragonhead and, and you go into the main keep there. And there's, you know, immediately Harshafont makes an impression. Number one, he's got a bunch of shirtless dudes in the corner doing squats. Yeah, those are just his boys. Don't worry about it. Uh, then... Second, he's got the world's biggest tactical map table. He literally, literally, it looks like he's pushing, you know, it's like the, the you move the pieces around with a little push broom, except this one looks like it's an actual push broom. Yeah, full full size. This is this is the big boy's tactical table. It is big enough that you can stand your chocobo on top of it. And third of all, he immediately tells you that you're swaggy. Yeah, so, so Horshafont is immediately like on your side. This guy, this guy likes you. He's, he's, he's pretty cool. He's basically the old only elf that you have met so far in this frozen hellscape that has uh, his head screwed on straight. It, like everybody else is very up their own ass and extremely like just self-righteous unha- yeah self-righteous and unhelpful and completely Catholic. conceited. But yeah, no, Horshfont not like that. This guy, he's pretty cool. And so you tell him about your quest. You've got the, you got to find the Enterprise to fight Garuda. And he goes, that's, you know, I really wish I, I really wish I could literally just give it to you right now, but uh, I will, I will need to like, I'll do my best to try and, and get people as a cooperator around here, but it's quite difficult. Yes, it's very difficult. Literally nobody gives a shit about you or your or your needs. No, nobody cares. Horshavon is the only person who ca- who cares even a little bit basically. Now I should say there is a pretty infamous change for localization with Harshafont and specifically what they did they toned down his relentless flirtation with the player regardless of gender yes so Japanese yes so so rather rather famously Harshafont is extraordinarily like a warrior of light fan let's say he's very flirtatious he is unabashedly into you 100 this dude this dude is like the warrior light has 100 fans i'm one of them the warrior light has 10 right. fans i'm one of them warrior light has one like, fan i'm him and like they they kind of toned him back to that level in in the english localization but originally in japanese and from what i hear especially in the french dub he's trying to fuck oh yeah. you know what i get it but he basically tells you, like, hey, House Hallenart is still, you know, they've still got this heresy mark against them. And also I saw Francel and a bunch of knights going up towards uh, Steel Vigil, their old fallen fortress that is literally just covered with fucking dragons. You should probably, like, stop him from doing something outrageously stupid. Yeah, and uh, wouldn't you know it, he is in fact trying to do something outrageously stupid. So you do you you save him and his buds, who have all just gotten completely trashed. By the way, they're they're, they're like splayed out in the snow. They're barely alive, but you managed. You brought to... like two guys. I to think fight it's. A whole... I think it's three. I think it's three he guys. Brought, uh, he brought three guys to fight an entire fortress of dragons. Yeah, it as you might imagine, it doesn't go well. But you do manage to save his ass, and uh, and he's he's quite grateful about it. But uh, unfortunately, you know, whoever's whoever's framing this guy, it, they're they're moving pretty fast because because they're they're lining up to give this man a witch's trial like soon, like now. In addition, when you come back to Camp Dragonhead, Harshafon tells you, I'm really happy that you saved my boy Francel. We go way back. However, you have been branded a heretic by association because you saved him. So, sorry about that. By the time you get back, he's also like, hey, so they moved his trial up to immediately. And so we need to come up with some fucking proof to clear his name real quick. 
Yeah, so then you, you you sit down, you do some thinking, you you go through your fucking Blue's Clues notebook, and you're like, hey, wait a minute. What if the person who who was, you know, shipping these boxes around, what if they were putting rosaries in there? So you go, you go up to this dude who's like a merchant or whatever, like a delivery boy, and... And you start searching his crates, and oh, when you know it, all m- most of them, I believe, have rosaries in them. I-, I think one house specifically does not have a rosary in it. Uh, which one was it again? For to- it's either for Tom's or the one I can never remember because they like hardly come up. Yeah. No, I think it was Durandere. I think Durandere is the one that didn't right. have a rosary. Yeah, like Four Toms had a rosary and uh and Helen Hart had a rosary both. So so yeah, the guy is like, huh, what? I never seen those in my life, officer. <laughs> those aren't mine. Yep, so you head uh, you head over to uh the trial area, which is a big fucking cliff, because these are, you know, inquisitors. They aren't gonna they aren't gonna set up in a courtroom and give you a trial by jury of your peers. It's uh you can turn into a dragon, right? Well what if I just uh dump you off this cliff yeah well i mean here's the thing apparently in ishgard there are some like more formalized court trials but for these guys this guy is specifically yeah. fucking guillaume over here is like all right buddy we're giving you literally a witch's trial we're taking you to witch drop and we're gonna say if you if you hit the bottom and you die then you know what you were innocent and you know god and you will be welcomed in the yeah, he's like you. If you if you die uh, an innocent, you'll be welcomed into Halone's halls. But if you know if you're a dragon, then you'll save yourself and we'll kill you. But you roll up with your proof. You like smack the shit out of this dude's knights for a while. You and Hartrafon both just roll these dudes. Yeah, it's it's a really weird fight, by the way, because the the deal is you you roll up with Horchafon, you roll up with like his personal men and the inquisitor is immediately like hey you're all heretics and need to die right now and Horchafon is like yeah don't worry about that just kill everyone except the inquisitor don't touch the inquisitor don't even look at the inquisitor who you can't when so so you so you do this fight with solo duty and you kill a bunch of them and it turns out oh shocker of shockers uh, some of these knights are in fact dragon heretics and turn into dragons and have like a dragon friend who shows up and you have to deal with that whole situation. And the Inquisitor, of course, is like, well, I, di- I didn't know about that. I yeah. Know those guys. I just hired those dudes last week. I didn't know anything about them. Yeah. And he's just like, hmm, well, I guess I can I can let you off the hook, Francel, but uh, we're going to keep our eyes on you, mister. You know, very like he God, I fucking hate Guillaume so much. He sucks. I so hate- you do that. And Harshafon, you know, you're back at Dragon, Dragon Head, which, by the way, Sid and Alphano have been here the whole time. Not dressed for the weather at all. Alphano has like Swiss cheese clothes, so he's probably just freezing all his bits off. Yeah, he, he makes comments about that. They kind of follow you around from place to place while you're in there, which is kind of fun, actually. It's not something that you see very often at this point in the game, uh, where the characters will just like follow you around to places. And they have like a little bit of incidental dialogue, but mostly it's just like, oh, damn, it's cold, huh? Oh fuck! Oh, yeah. We gotta, we gotta get the clues. And you know, Sid's in his fucking fantasy crew neck tee, so he's not dressed for the weather either. I mean, he's got like a. I mean, his one, one arm is arm, good. His yeah, one, one arm, arm is, is good. He's got his fucking quilted oven mitt arm. One arm is very snug. The other one is probably getting frostbite. So Archifont, you know, tells you once again, thanks you for helping with Francel and and helping prove his innocence and all that. And he and he, and he points you towards another fort that because uh, he tells you. The, where, where he found the Enterprise. He managed to, like, wrangle up the location from a guy who saw it years ago. And apparently, the Enterprise landed in a in another overrun fort called the Stone Vigil, which is, of course, currently under Giovannian control. And But, good news is, House Durandere is actively trying to, like, get in there and clear it. So you can probably get the Enterprise pretty easily if you go and introduce yourself to uh, Lord Drillmont uh over over near white brim yeah uh which is great so you you head over to white brim and and you go take care of that whole sitch but unfortunately so okay a couple of things happen in very quick su- succession here so this is first such a off, bitch move this is such a bitch move this dude does it is the biggest bitch move in the world and it's not even there he does it multiple times but okay so a couple of things happen in quick succession first off you get to the front gate and the guard once again gives you the traditional Ishgardian greeting of flipping you the bird and telling you to piss off. 
he does have a really specific line that I wrote down that I thought was hilarious, which is, You desire an audience with Lord Drillmon, do you? Ha, I desire a night in a warm bed with my wife, but wishing will not make it so. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Which is a which is a pretty hilarious line, but yeah, you you show him like a bunch of letters that Horshafont and Francel gave you, and you're and he's like, oh well, fine, I guess you can go see my boss, and you almost you almost get to make progress. You go to the sky and you're like, hey, listen, we're pretty we're pretty good at what we do. We say we slayed a bunch of primals, you know. We're we're with the uh, with the science and seventh dawn. We just really want to walk in this place, kill the dragons, get a boat, and leave. And Lord Drummond's like, you know what? That sounds pretty good. And then we can follow up with our guys, and we won't lose that many people, and it'll be great. And then then Guillaume shows up. And he points at you. And Sid and Alphano and says, "All oh, my lord, all of these people are filthy heretics and should never be trusted. Do not be deceived by their honeyed words." Yes, the the rabble of the scions are. They're not even real anymore. They all got killed. These guys, I don't know what their deal is. I don't know what they're up to. But you know what? Obviously, they're just here to destroy Ishgard. So you can't you can't trust what they have to say at all. And then Drillmond is just like, oh, thank God you got here in time. I almost trusted an outsider yeah, for two seconds. Instantly, it's just like, yeah, no, this guy's right. An Inquisitor said something? Well, it must be true. Yeah, so you immediately get your ass booted the fuck out of this building. And now you have to do more busy work so in order to actually move forward in any conceivable way you need to go around lord drillmont and to do that you need to gain the trust of all of the rank and file knights and to gain the trust of these rank and file knights well there's a fairly simple way to do it these people eat fucking gruel they eat gruel 24 hours a day because they live in a horrible medieval Catholic society. And they really want some delicious, amazing cave salamander meat. Yeah, I mean, it's meat. It is meat. So you need to go take care of that. And this, this part, so I'm a little embarrassed at this. Uh, because this is exact. So I ran into this problem both the very first time that I played the game and also, again, when we replayed it for this. So they give you a, like, tincture of something that's supposed to weaken this mud puppy. If you don't use it, the mud puppy has exactly enough health and exactly enough damage output that it is very close to impossible for you to kill it solo. If you roll up there with a friend, you can do it fairly handily, but if it's just you, you're probably not going to make it, and you definitely have to use the tincture. I, both times, neglected to do this, and I I was, I remember, I, like, I messaged you, I was like, oh my god, how close are you to this part? I'm so fucking fed up with this stupid salamander thing. And then, the, the very, the very last time, I'm running into the cave because Nero's already in there, and then I remember wait i just need to use the stupid bottle of juice then i use the bottle of juice and kill the salamander very easily yeah well and and you know let this be a lesson to you pay attention to the people talking when they give you a quest i guess if a, if a guy <laughs> tells you hey i've got this thing you can use on the thing to make it easier to kill then you'd use the thing on the thing and yeah. it'll make it easier to kill yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an important life lesson. So, uh, yeah, you 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 manage to do this. You get these guys a nice, delicious, juicy steak. And they're like, oh, man, I love this. You're pretty cool. Um, but you, you still need to win over more people. You need to get this whole freaking castle on your side. That's the only way you're going to be able to convince Lord Drillmont that you aren't a filthy heretic. So you roll up to the, like, hospital, like the, the barracks hospital here, and Sid is like, oh, wow, these guys are basically using medieval medicine and don't yeah. have um, anything. So I'm going to build for them some very basic hospital equipment. I'm going to need some some stuff, some things and stuff, so go get me some materials. And so you do, you get him his stuff, and he makes a, just a lovely little alembic for them to use to make tincture, tinctures and potions and whatnot. And all of the all of the priests and nurses are like, oh my god, you, 
you're a lifesaver. Thank you so much. And then who else fucking slithers up the stairs with a big old smug smile on his face, but Guillaume. Yeah, fucking Officer like, Bitch-Ass shows up. He cannot leave well enough alone, and he's just he's like... <laughs> Mm, I would not trust such gifts from a heretic. And they're like, oh my god, you're so right. We're going to throw this out the window. Yeah, literally, you got a bunch of people like in bed, sick and dying. And it's like you have this machine that could help them. And they're just like, oh, no, no, we can't have anything that has to do with heretic or an outsider. This is horrible. Thank you so much for saving us, Inquisitor. Meanwhile, everyone in the bed is just fucking coughing themselves to death because they've all got consumption or some shit. Like, magic consumption. So you check in with Alphano, and he's like, this fucking guy's annoying as shit. We gotta figure out what's going on with him. Yeah, like, clearly, we gotta ask around. Clearly, he's got a bone to pick with us specifically for some reason. So and it's, so it's time you, to go you ask, around. You ask around, and everyone has the same story, which is, oh my god, Inquisitor Giarm. No, he's he's the most holy man ever. He he saved a baby from falling off a cliff after it was shot from a cannon by an evil heretic. He he saved me from dying in a blizzard personally. Oh my god, he dragged me back to the to the castle himself. He's a he's a beautiful selfless man, but. Something doesn't add up about that that blizzard story there because you go back to Alphano and he's like, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I snuck in and I checked some of the, the weather records for this area. There like wasn't a blizzard during the time he said there was a blizzard. I don't, something's, something's off about that. We need to check in and, and luck has it that someone comes up to you and says that they have some information about what actually happened that night yeah so you you end up asking around and it turns out that the the place that the survivor of this storm said that he uh got saved from is not actually the place that Guillaume was spotted coming back into the castle. No, in fact, it was the complete opposite entrance, and, interestingly, it was the side that goes to the Stone Vigil, which no one really has any reason to to go to. You know, why, why was Guillaume out there? What possible purpose would he have being out on that side of the of the battlements? Also, that side of the battlements faces a sheer cliff. Yeah, a big sheer cliff uh, that if you say, for example, if you were to walk all the way down that sheer cliff and, and you got to the very bottom... Uh, you might find a little pile of uh, of snow that has a body in it, and that body is Guillaume. So you hit the emergency meeting button, and you, and you call everyone at the camp there, and you say, "We've got an imposter. I think I think the Inquisitor is sus. I saw him venting. Um, <laughs> he wasn't doing his tasks right. It's uh, it's a clear that we've got a real fucking sus fella here. So you head back, and uh, you you present this like you find a, a note of uh of like from the archbishop sending him out here on this dude's corpse that the real guillaume didn't seem to have and you and you presented to this guy who said he saved him from a blizzard this uh sir jolette um and he's like he just straight to like no i don't believe you you made that up guillaume is a, a, a beautiful man who saves us every day but that's when someone kind of ta- like sneaks in from uh, around the corner. Goes like, "Hey, I got some information about that guy. You should, uh, you, you should." Uh, oh, actually, no. You, you, it's not that she approaches you. It's uh, that there was another knight there that day, a knight named Prunella, who can, you know, he's like, "You gonna go ask her? She'll corroborate my story." So you go and bring the scroll to her, and she goes, "Oh God, yeah, oh no, yeah." So, so here's the thing. So remember a couple episodes ago when we did the spooky haunted mansion situation and there was just that elf who was like, I've had this dark secret for 37 years. I've never told anyone until I told you, stranger. Well, we got another one of those elves. At least this one has more reason behind it one it's not quite as long of a period who knows how long that dude was just feeding maidens to to his insane lady of the house <laughs> to, like chop their faces off or whatever but this lady comes clean pretty quick he's like okay yeah all that, all that story about the blizzard and saving jola that's all bullshit he got knocked out by like a fucking tail whip and 
this voice spoke out of the darkness telling me that I needed to, like, shut the fuck up about this or he would kill my whole family. Yeah, so clearly there's some there's some sinister stuff going on. So now you've got fairly reasonable proof and suspicion that Guillaume is, in fact, sus. evil, uh, sus, uh, bad. Imposter. Literally, literally an imposter. It's a, it's a real Among Us situation, and you gotta go confront this guy. Well, you know, both conveniently and inconveniently, he's out on, like, he, he's out doing some inquisitorial bullshit. Uh, inconveniently, he's doing some inquisitorial bullshit to, like, a 12-year-old girl. Literally, yeah, insane. Also, I do want to point out that Prunilla here did, once once the Francel stuff started, she actually did start moving against him in secret recently, which is why, like, there was that bit where you found all of those uh, house cargo chests just stuffed to the brim with Dravanian uh, rosaries that was her because she knew that like planting them there would cause his plans to like blow up because you know normally you just slip one in every now and then in like a, a noble's pocket or something but like literally a chest full of them is not yeah reasonable. that don't that don't add up that's not reasonable so so she's she kind of like because she also says like yeah she, he knew everything about my family and all this shit like he just started saying shit to me about how he would kill all of my family so i just had to stay quiet but yeah you, you go to you gotta get this fucking imposter out of, out of the situation here yeah he's just like fucking trying to inquisitor a, a child uh, oh you also go she also points you to like a secret stash of rosaries that he keeps nearby for you to bring to drillmont to like really hammer the nail home yeah so you've, you've got all the proof in the world but you do need to actually sally forth and rescue this kid from getting you know killed and like this this, so this, this monologue is so so he, he just turns Ugh. into like a saturday morning cartoon villain briefly. yeah he's, he's he, this little 12 year old girl is just like but i don't want to die for god and he's just <laughs> he's just like ah but my dear this is exactly what your god wants is for you all to die horribly and in pain because it's actually evil so you you and drillmont roll up and you know just stop you you have an imposter among us i think literally someone says that line yeah. in this game which may remind you came out in 2014 but you know in our modern age you know art art can gain new context with new eras and and thus this but you fight the guy he like reveals himself like i'm the evil i was i was using your your ways against you i will kill all of you dies screaming his revenge for the pain inflicted upon my people and he turns into a dragon god yeah okay okay so we need we need to talk about fucking guillaume so or whatever his name is whatever his actual name is we don't know because the story doesn't care like okay here's here's the thing that gets me about so much of of ar when they try and do this stuff where it's like clearly the game and the writers are aware that the situation is fucked right like th the the writing of the game is self-aware enough to understand that Olda's position in the refugee crisis is fucked it is self-aware enough to understand that the that the gridanians and the way they treat outsiders is fucked and it is self-aware enough to understand that the way the ish guardians treat outsiders and people they brand as heretics is fucked it understands this however however in this conflict and like okay for yeah obviously anything that has an inquisition bad news you don't want that that's generally blanket statement inquisitions bad specifically catholic ones so, you know, already we're, we're, we're playing with that imagery, but like the villain they choose for this is like, ah, oh, he's, 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 he's simply a bad apple taking advantage of the system. Like, no, what are you talking about? He's a, you, you're, you made the inquisitors. You, you're the ones who built this culture. He is not the guy. He is, he has no fucking blame in this. You're just all a bunch of bloodthirsty catholic freaks yeah this this is this is the thing this is the thing that gets me right is like the, the, it's self-aware enough to know this is fucked up 
but it isn't like necessarily at this point that the, the writing is just not there to be able to do anything with that information we've seen it before and it really really rears its ugly head i think you know th- this is this is one of the 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 more egregious early examples of it where you just have this like massive social problem and but but it involves like a completely unsympathetic like dickhead villain who just so happens to coincidentally be a member of like the group that is being marginalized or persecuted who is completely indefensible and is clearly very evil and it turns out the member of the group that is doing the persecuting is actually the good guy in this scenario and is just trying to do the right thing and he either you know they they tragically were killed or you know what whatever the fuck and and it's it just it drives me crazy because like the the actual textual answer to witch drop the the conclusion that you take away from this portion of the game on its face is damn you know maybe those inquisitors have a point they should really keep their suit they should really step up their security actually we need even more tsa agents more (laughs) inquisitors we need even more inquisitors we need inquisitors for the inquisitors is what we need flood that flood coarthus with inquisitors and just make everyone a heretic yeah like it's he's literally going on about how like ah you may have forgotten how many ishgardians i've killed drillmont their families will never forget this is blood for blood and our endless crusade like it's insane shit and then he kills himself it's it's no he just dies it's just it's so so poorly because it's it's this isn't this isn't like i don't know it's not engaging and it doesn't like it it doesn't deliver the it doesn't deliver the message that i feel like they want it to deliver like it just doesn't work like and as like a preview for heaven's word which is going to deal with a lot of this material much more like directly it's not great either because everyone you've interacted with is a huge prick whose opinion swings on a fucking hinge as soon as an inquisitor is in the room yeah it doesn't exactly put a lot of like confidence in in ishgard as like a society does it it i don't know it's 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 very like 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 heaven's word i think handles it a lot better you end up with like a much clearer picture of how ishgardian society is broken like why it doesn't work and why these things are bad but in this scenario you have a much clearer picture of the conflict you actually get like right in this situation you are you're left with so little context for why this endless holy war is happening at all, which is like, I guess, purposeful. Like, yeah, I wouldn't know. No one's going to tell me the history of the fucking Dragon Song War is some rando who rolled into town. But also, like, all of the Dravanian heretics or whatever are just, bra- just portrayed as these, like, evil goons. Yeah, extremely, like, Saturday morning cartoon villain demon people and it's like it's 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 wild and this is not like it, it this continues it's going to continue for a hot yeah. minute actually you know snow cloak is its own thing we'll get to that but like i don't know it, it's 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 just wild because like this is a good once again it's a good opportunity to introduce a a point of socio-political tension to introduce a way in which the realm is divided and fractured because in a lot of ways ARR is a story about reuniting a fractured realm in order to defeat a common foe and that's great that's a great story you know you get you get the opportunity to do a lot of like interesting sociopolitical stuff get get these societies kind of back on track and helping each other again and get ready to to sort of sally forth and defeat uh, a bigger existential threat to everybody it's a good classic situation but era really fail like it really drops the ball in a lot of those arenas because it just isn't equipped to like and i don't know if this is if if this is because they just didn't have time to commit to doing multiple drafts or or revisions or anything like that but it all feels extremely flat one note there's not a lot of depth or or fleshing out 
of of these these conflicts it's just like they they all have this cop-out situation of like well you know obviously the persecution and xenophobia is bad but in this very specific example maybe it was a good thing because it stopped worse stuff from happening so i don't know i guess we'll shelve this problem and deal with it later yeah it i mean generally i think probably this is a result of the of the like time frame they had to do write the story in because the this the same principal writer for ARR is the guy who wrote Heaven's Word as well. So, like, we know that he's capable of doing things with more nuance when presented with the proper time and context, but my guess is this was a portion of a of a game that they had to hustle to get to fucking Garuda, so we didn't have time to sit with this, and you just had to really rush through and get this, like, half-assed plotline about an imposter inquisitor in there, and, and get in and out, and you get to your dungeon, and then you leave. Like, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and even when in the post-patches, generally things are still a little, when we're dealing with stuff like this, things things are still dicey. Yeah. But, so, you know, it is what it is. At least yeah. Harshafon's here, he's nice. That's true, Harshafon is here, so we got that as a, as a bit of a silver lining. God. Wool. Oh, error. Error. You, you know, pe- people, I, I, I feel like there's, there's such a polarization in the in the community with like you know people who will just say oh skip ARR don't worry about it it's bad don't think about it um and then people who are like no you can't skip ARR the story's so important and so yeah. good and you now, know as an enlightened centrist <laughs> as you know me to be i will say that the answer lies in the middle it does lie don't, in the middle. Don't skip error because it's actually very important foundation for the rest of the game. But come on, people, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's just not in the same caliber of the other expansions story-wise. It's it's so much fluff and wheel spinning and stuff like this. Like it 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 is ten levels of story stretched over fifty levels. That is always how I describe it, and that is how it feels sometimes, especially in this section where so much of this fucking shit is just running around Coerthus doing stuff for these assholes who barely treat you like a person. Yeah, it is it's 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 ARR is very much a land of contrast. It's got it's got a lot of good ideas. It's got a lot of good yes. ideas and it has the like the the bones of a story that that can be good. And those bones are a great foundation for the rest of the game to build itself on. But they take those bones and they put it in a pot and they make a nice stock and they put it in the freezer to bring out later to make a really great dish. Yeah, but for now, you don't get fucking anything. All you get is your house smelling like death because you made broth all night in a big pot and then put it in your fucking freezer and forgot to make food. Yeah, so... The imposter dies, crewmates win, what the fuck ever. Yeah. Trillmont tells you that, okay, you can go into Stone Vigil now. Yeah, we're not going to help you, by the way, so Yeah, we're not going to do anything, but, like, good luck, asshole. So, finally, without further ado, it's time to talk about the level 41 dungeon called Stone Vigil. Stone Vigil, so, baby. Oh, this man. is the most. So, the, Stone Vigil is interesting in a lot of different ways. Most of them do not have anything to do with the dungeon itself. As far as a dungeon goes, Stone Vigil is like the most archetypal MMO dungeon you can get. It's a fucking ruined keep overrun by dragons. Yeah, there's no really interesting side content here. There's no notes to pick up. There are technically, like, two side rooms, but they only exist as, like, oops, I went the wrong way punishes. Yeah, so Stone Vigil, before the reworks of of Tantara, or not Tantara, goddammit, I did it again, Todorok and Copperbell, Stone Vigil was kind of like the first 
modern dungeon. You know, you, but it's like you know, you know, when people are talking about anthropology and they talk about anatomically modern humans, uh-huh. like it's it's kind of like that. Where yes, technically everything is in place, but it's not all quite there yet. It has, I, I would say that Stone Vigil out of all of the ARR dungeons is one of the most linear. Like, despite the side rooms, it's pretty easy to not go inside them. Um, and there's nothing in there, but so there's a very clear path. It's got, like, fairly standard boss fights, which they changed recently to make them even more standard, which, honestly, man, you know, we, we, we can talk about that in a minute. And it's just generally, like... It doesn't have a lot of the weird bullshit the old one does. Like, you're not going around fighting the same guy three times, like in Tamtara, or there's no, like, bosses that are just trash pulls, like old Copper Bell. And, like, there's some other side dungeons you can do that we haven't talked about, like the Sunken Temple of Karn and, like, Cutter's Cry, which are just very strange structurally and, like, the way you traverse them. But Stone Vigil is just a dungeon-ass dungeon. However, it's got that... It's got that ARR funk on it a little bit still. It's got that ARR funk on it. It's it, it's very much... It is a standard dungeon with just a, just a weird... It's got a couple of weird little notes in it, like there are these dragons that will just come down at certain points and blow fire at you. They're not like interactable objects; they're like stage hazards, which is kind of funny. Uh, you've got some like wandering enemies that that's that's, that sort of wander around, and like a, a big dragon will just like wander into the room while you're doing a pull, and you'll have to deal with like an extra dragon if you don't time things correctly, stuff like that. The thing about Stone Vigil that I find that I find quite interesting is Stone Vigil in its kind of original incarnation here. Stone Vigil was probably the first really hard, like the the first actual challenge dungeon that players would have to face. And this is for a couple of reasons. So first and foremost, uh, there are a couple of, I think, fairly infamous pulls that involve ice sprites. Now, the thing about early ARR leveling gear is that uh, for physical classes, typically the defense statistics skew really heavily towards physical damage, not elemental or like caster damage. This is significant because these ice sprites, they spawn three at a time, they attack very quickly, and they do a lot of magic damage. And it's very easy for a tank to find themselves getting extremely overwhelmed before they really understand what's even going on and that's yeah like the there were several death pulls where like if you pull too big and those ice sprites spawn often your healer would not be able to keep up and you would simply die not as big of a problem now obviously with like modern gear and stuff but uh if if you're in a full party with like guys going through arr and you've got your arr leveling gear on like it's it's kind of tough it is it's kind of tough and that toughness is also reinforced by the bosses so you have there are three bosses in this dungeon as as you typically have you've got chudo yudo you've got the the second guy green fella yeah, this green dragon guy, and then you've got the big dragon at the end, and we'll get to we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to him in a second. But the the uh the two sub bosses here, Chudo Yudo is basically untouched. He's just a big kind of fat dragon who every once in a while he will walk to the other side of the arena from you and blow magical stone dust on you and turn you into a rock if you get caught out. Nothing too complicated. Yes. So, but the thing about these these bosses, right, is the the thing that made them like the step up is that these are basically the first bosses in a in a story dungeon anyway. I think the first boss where you actually have to care about the mechanics is actually in Cutter's Cry, but the first story dungeon where you have to care about the shit that's going on is Stone Vigil because if you get hit by Chudo Yudo's swinge attack, you're just dead. Like, it's basically an instant kill if you're not, like, positioned behind him. And similarly, we will talk... So the Green Dragon, they they heavily changed this uh, in their revamp of ARR recently. Yes. So the old... The old one, what happened? Well, what would happen is 
you would be fighting this this dragon in a room full of cannons facing out uh, to the sky, and every so often you would spot you know you'd spawn these tornadoes that would just fly around the the arena and give you wind burn and fuck up your casting. But every so often the final boss, the big the big ice dragon, would fly in and start shooting ice breath into the room and damaging everyone, and someone had to go and shoot it with a cannon to stop that so that was like kind of the first thing where you absolutely had to have someone pull away to like do a thing and you know obviously the final boss of satasha has a mechanic like this but you truly don't need to care about it even like level synced yeah this is this is is the first boss that actually has mandatory like dps needs to go do something mechanics and the and the tornadoes also introduce like these persistent aoe things and it's it's just this it it is a fight that requires you to pay some amount of attention and this is sort of the first encounter that you have with with that in the game if you're just you know straight doing the story Uh, the changed version of this fight is a little disappointing to me so the arena is smaller it's more square it's it's not it's not as long as the original was there are it's fully outside so you don't like get the sort of interior thing and there are no cannons the 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 big dragon never ever shows up uh instead what happens is it is a fairly standard boss with very little in the way of you know specific mechanics that you need to deal with it's got a tank buster now it's got like a few different like small aoe's but it does still it does still spawn it does still spawn the tornadoes but they're different so instead of the wind burn uh, what happens if a tornado hits you is that you get a lot of damage at once you get stunned and you get thrown up in the air so like you still do have to avoid the tornadoes but yeah they took away the bit where the dps has to like do shit which is, you know, there, there's a lot of boss fights, both in dungeons and in higher content, where sometimes you got to interact with something. Yeah, and I think taking that away is a little bit... Mm, I, I don't know that I agree with it. I do I do kind of like to change the tornadoes, uh, because I found that the tornadoes, as they used to be, with the wind burn, like... They are fucking annoying. They, they were really annoying, and it was basically just, like, stacking damage, and if you like didn't notice that you were still touching it a little bit you were still taking like this huge amount of like tick damage it was it was really really irritating so so i do like the new tornadoes i think that is like a better way to do it that being said the, the lack of the cannons kind of sucks but uh you know then we have to come up to the the actual uh final boss here now the final boss this dragon cutscene. there's so there's all, a we gotta cut talk scene. about the cutscene. there's not much in it but there is a cutscene. um so you find the you find the enterprise sid and alpha now are with you they were somewhere don't worry about it. They were just they were just tagging along, just 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 around the corner. And I, I, you know, I wonder if, as a trust, they come with you in like some random nights, fill in the last slot. We haven't we haven't really fucked with the the new era trusts yet, so I don't know I don't know when like story guys start getting involved in it. But yeah, it would, it would fit for them anyway. You find the Enterprise, it's like frozen over in some rubble, so and you got this big sleeping dragon. So Sid and Alphano go to like uh work get get that thing up and running while you kinda watch the dragon and wouldn't you know it, La Habrea is here. And he's yeah. he's on he's on his <laughs> usual shit, which is like, ooh, yes, primal hunter, you have felled too, but Garuda, ooh, she's stronger. She's and stronger ooh. and she's green. She's got big old bird titties. Can you compete against that? Will you be able to overcome that? Who knows? But it'll be fun to watch. Anyway, fight this dragon. Yeah, literally, literally, Sid and Alphano are just like trying to like tiptoe past this giant dragon while you keep an eye on it. Labrea shows up and is like, "Hey, what's up, bitch?" and then blows an air horn in the dragon's ear and sends you to the shadow realm so you can fight it. Yeah, he literally, he literally does the thing from the the finale of Duelist Kingdom where he puts you in a big shadow bubble. Apparently, yeah, these Dacians seem to like to do that in ARR quite a bit. It's kind of hilarious. Labrea is yet like he he is not a character yet. Um, he becomes one at some point, but boy, yeah, he is not one in ARR. So you fight this dragon whose name I forget, uh, but it's a big ice dragon, and it's it's got a few mechanics. So first of all, it's it's got a like a untelegraphed AOE. So sometimes you'll just get hit by that. That's fine. We don't worry about that. 
It's got, it'll sometimes target someone with an AoE, and then it'll fly up in the sky to do like a big line AoE of frozen fire. Yes, there is, there's a nerf to this fight as well. So, so this fight used to introduce persistent AoEs. There's an attack that this dragon does, and it also used to do it multiple times in the fight, and it seems to only do it uh, quite late now. Which, uh, which definitely started much earlier in the fight before. There's, there's a bit where it will fly up in the air, and before it actually does the, uh, the big line AoE, what it'll do is it'll make circle AoEs appear directly on the player. And it'll do this three or four times, so, and every single so you move to another spot, it appears on you. You move to another spot, it appears on you, and then all of them go off. And what's left is a spot of like swirling ice on the ground, and those stick around for a bit. And the way the, that's how it used to work. So it was like, okay, well, you have to kind of you know make sure that you don't accidentally cover the entire field in these, you know, make you slower things so that you don't immediately die to the giant line AoE. Now here's the thing. That was quite hard to do because the arena was is, is pretty small, all things considered. And I'm fine with them taking that out. Ultimately, most persistent AoEs don't really work like that. Um, it was very, very annoying if you were a melee DPS or a tank because you'd just be getting frostbite damage and you'd go slow and also the, the dragon would land on the tank and instead now it always lands in the center of the stage and also I don't think it knocks back anymore. Like they, they, just oh, made this fight, they just made this fight a lot less annoying to deal with, ultimately. Most of its mechanics are still intact, it's just that that one is... Is uh is is no longer there. Yeah, I I, I think it's I, I do think it's a little bit of a shame, but I do see where like it it is an annoying mechanic, and I think it could have been tweaked instead of basically removed entirely because I think that like again Stone Vigil being like the first sort of challenge that you encounter in a story dungeon, I I think that is something that should have been preserved a little better I, you know understanding that they wanted to make things a little more streamlined but you know i i do wish that it was that it kept some of that that feeling to to an extent even if they tried to make the mechanics a little easier to to sort of parse so you beat the dragon obviously and sid gets the enterprise up and running and uh well you know you're not quite ready to fly directly into the howling eye garuda's domain just yet the uh the enterprise needs a few repairs first yeah you're gonna you're gonna need to take this baby to a repair shop first and sid by the way is very happy to be working on the enterprise again he's like you know if it feels like coming home you know to to him which is which is that's a cute thing so yeah, you you end up flying the Enterprise in a very bumpy ride, apparently, all the way back to Gridania, and uh, it's in Gridania that you're going to get the Enterprise serviced and ready to go to fly into the eye of the storm. Which is where we'll pick up next time, as we, uh, you know, who know, I don't know if we're going to be able to beat Garuda. I mean, everyone's been talking about how strong she is compared to the other two. So strong and powerful and scary. Um, so who knows? Maybe, maybe we just, the story just stops here. Yeah, maybe we're just going to die. Who knows? Uh, there's, no, there's no way to tell. So, you know, I guess we could transition to a spoiler zone where we talk about all of heaven's word <laughs> i guess but we could just right. we could just like put a break in here and just be like okay everybody let's let's spoil the entirety of heaven's word and talk all about it for like three hours but frankly it seems like a waste of our time and yours uh because we will be covering all of that soon enough like uh it's, it's not all that far away we've got yeah. the I mean, we got... stuff to deal with <laughs> We we got we got the level fifty stuff, and we also have to get through the patch quests, which. <sighs> but you oh know, those are, the, the the thing about patch quests is that usually those can be an episode. Like the general amount of oh, content we, you get, we're gonna well, have maybe not for so ARR. many episodes for the two point X quest. Arr has some chunky patch quests. That's true. It's got some meaty quest lines there. <laughs> yeah, can't wait for Riot Cop Simulator. Yeah, but so we will not be doing a, a, a spoiler zone here unless there's something you really, really wanted to talk about. 
No, not particularly. Uh, the only thing I really would touch on, I guess, is just the the nature of like just Ishgard's like relationship to outsiders. But uh, but that's broad enough that I think we'll probably cover it just straight up in a heaven's word, very naturally. Yeah, it'll come up, and so yeah, so we will. Uh, ne- next time you see us, we will we will be coming up on the end of uh, 2.0 here. We've got we've got a little bit to go, but things kind of pick up. Towards the end, like things kind of compress a little bit as we kind of hit the uh, after Garuda. Shit actually starts happening, uh, which is a welcome change of pace, I would say. Yes, no, we th- things things get a little bit tight towards the end here, and we get a lot of content very, very, very quickly. Um, and I'm, I'm quite excited to actually get to to the end of ARR here because I have explicitly gone out of my way to avoid playing any of the revamped level 50 content. So I'm quite excited to see what it looks like. It was a greedy little Gus and had to get my Moogle tombstones earlier (laughs) this year. But so I I have played one of them. I have not played the other one. I I have not, I have not played one. I have not played the, the first level 50 dungeon and it's new in its new form. So I will, I'm still blind on that one. Yes. Well, luckily, you know, I'm, I'll be going in blind to both. And also, uh, I can I can very easily recount the events of the old dungeons. Uh, I used to grind quite a bit for tombstones back in the old animal weapon days, and let me tell you, uh, gotta run those quite a bit. Yeah, you do. So until then, until next time when we uh, face down the Lady of the Vortex, I have been one of your hosts, Nero. And I've been the other host, Jane. And we'll see you in the fields of Eorzea, unless you're some kind of filthy Protestant. <laughs>